When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A two, a one, two, three, four. <laughs> Another beautiful day on the Victor Bravo Golf Course. The sun is shining. The birds are about, and there's a sudden buzz in the crowd. Michael Michelson steps up to the tee box. Fifteen hole here. Drivers recommended. <laughs> Oh, is he a caveman? Because he's suddenly clubbed that one. What do you reckon, George? <laughs> I mean, did he hit that with a dictionary? Because that was a terrible read. <laughs> oh, my. I was in Broken Hill a couple of weeks ago, and one of the speakers at the conference for Clubs New South Wales was a guy called Tom Potter. Now, Tom is a self-made and very successful Australian entrepreneur. You may know him from Eagle Boys Pizza, or you may know him from Galactic Donuts, or you may know him as the twice winner of the Capital the Capital Championship Series. Something I haven't heard of, but Tom was good enough to share with me, that this is something that he had prevailed in. Where we always start is, how did the game of golf come to you, or did you go to it? Well, thanks for having me. Um, so my old man was a mad keen golfer. He used to play 36 holes every Saturday in Bendigo. And um, I think he was B-grade champion when he was about 16. Yeah. And, you know, they say how some people are real classics and they're naturals. They just pick up a golf club and off they go. I think he might have been there, but I wasn't. Um, in fact, I didn't take up golf until I was about 40. Um, You're kidding. Yeah. So what, so, what, so what was it? Did you feel like you were missing out on something? Well, I was still playing basketball up till in my late 30s. And I remember being horrified once when I came off the court because I was playing a reserve over at Orchid Flower in Brisbane. And one of the guys at the canteen said to me, oh, why don't you play in the vets? And I was, got, <laughs> I was, I was horrified. I went, what do you mean? He goes, oh, the over 35s. And I thought, oh, fuck that. Anyway, I gave up, um, gave up basketball and, and there was a real void. Okay. When you play sport all your life and growing up in country Victoria, footy two nights a week, basketball two nights a week, all weekends, of sport, that's all you ever did. And then all of a sudden, all your sport's gone. And right. uh, one of my directors at Eagle Boys was a member at Brisbane Golf Club and he said, you should play golf. And uh, I went out and started playing and I was horrible at it. And he said, look, you just join up as a member and you get someone like me to take you under his wing every week and you just keep having a go and that's what I did I just started playing so did you you didn't play at all when you were a kid no 
never, never picked and up. Even, well, even, Beechworth even didn't you... have it. Built Beechworth didn't even have a golf course. It had one of those um, sand sand greens. You know, sand greens, yeah, yeah, at Beechworth. So there wasn't much there. I think didn't you say that your dad played and was a B grade champion? Played every Bendigo, yeah. But we moved to Beechworth when I was about eleven or twelve. Oh, okay. So and so he didn't take you out before him. that. He didn't take you in like down a. Never. And go, come on, son, I'm going to teach you about passion and love and ball striking. I actually think, I think in those days, you know, the father-son thing was rare, mm. you know, and um, no, I, I never, never went out and played any sport at all with my father ever. And he was an A-grade basketballer and a, a bloody great football and everything else. But Yeah, because you know. I, I know you were a good footballer as well. So, I mean, obviously you would have kicked the footy with your dad at, at the very least. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Okay. Do we need to talk about something else. Are you okay? <laughs> I just don't remember having a lot of sport. In, um, sport. To, I had a twin brother and an elder brother, and we were always out in the backyard throwing the basketball and kicking the footy. Okay. Yeah. So that that's probably sounds a lot like my childhood again with a exactly. twin brother and um, and an older and a, and a younger brother as well. All right. So you're 40 years old, and someone says join Brisbane, which is a beautiful course, but a course with a great sense of uh history and i'm guessing etiquette as well so how hard was it and what what was the hard part of the game for you to learn well etiquette um see that's a that's a whole different level of dialogue which is hilarious because you know we all have issues with that particularly when you come from a certain background where you don't hold back in in saying what you think but (laughs) (laughs) was that was that hard for you the first day the first day, the first shot I ever played on the first hole, the clubhouse is about 140 metres off to the right, right angles. Yeah. And I was so well, shit, so shitting myself with um, teeing off. Instead of grabbing a driver, I pulled out a three iron and I sliced the ball onto the veranda of the golf club and yelled four. And there was a bunch of little old ladies sitting up there. I fucking could have died. It was like the walk of shame. And I walked over there and there's a lady standing there with a ball in her hand. She was about 19. She goes, it's okay. We've called the ambulance. <laughs> That's exactly what she said. So that was my first ever time I actually stepped up on the tee and hit the ball. And hang on. Had you hit someone? No. No. I joking. literally landed on the veranda and ping-ponged around there and there's little old ladies. And then, and then um, and uh, yeah, she picked it up and she was literally laughing, joking at me, saying, oh, I've called the ambulance. But I didn't find it funny. Right. Well, that must have been a great start, though. Anyone yeah. to realise that there is a sense of humour around the game. Yeah, you have to. <laughs> yeah, you learn that as you go. So, I mean, that would that sounds like the sort of thing where you would possibly just not continue on. Like that would be quite a hurdle to get over. As you know, if you've been in business like I have, and you've gone up against it, and you've had to learn things like public speaking, where you're literally shitting yourself before you have to get up and do it. Mm you can overcome anything. Uh, so, you know, when it comes to the, the end of your, or your sort of your start of your new career playing golf and you're sort of midway through your business career, hitting a ball uh, up on the roof of a golf club, you know, you sort of get to a stage where you go, well, fuck you if you don't like it, you know, because <laughs> I'm playing golf and that's that. I just don't, I, I don't think I've met anyone who has that attitude to um, to golf. I I mean, I certainly have met people who have that attitude to business. You know, I just, what I'm going to do, mate, and I'm going to do it this way. And, but I've never met any – everyone seems to be quite wound up about, about golf and how they're perceived and uh, – or generally and, and doing the, the, the right thing. So you started, you were terrible. What, how long did it take for that to change? 
Oh, shit, it took me years. Um, well, I, where are you now? Let's start with that. I play off 18 now, and okay. um, and I and I can have a really good round, and I can have a real shocker, like everybody, like everybody says. But I think everybody says the same thing. At some stage when you're playing golf, you actually click. Things start to click. You, you're starting to rotate your body properly. You're flicking your wrist properly. You're hitting the ball right in the sweet spot. And, and you start to click. And it's probably probably took me 10. What am I now? 59. Shit. Yeah, no, I didn't take off golf balls. Probably 42, I think. 40, 42, 43. So, yeah, it probably took me 10 years until I started getting um, consistent. Consistent would be the best way to put it. Okay. So, Tom, um, just so you know, is, as I said, the, was the starter of Eagle Boys. So, you left school when you were 15. You... Um, we were broke by the time you were 22. Uh, I know your mum had a big input on you starting with Eagle Boys and, and, and doing things your own way. Um, what, how, how, is, how has that process impacted your sporting life? And also, I mean, I know you tried out for the Melbourne, was it Melbourne Footy Club? No, I had a couple of uh, swings down there in Melbourne, but no yeah. luck. Um, you know, it, it's funny, I've been sort of classed as a cavalier and it's sometimes um, um, not the, the the greatest set of manners and etiquette, but when it came to the business, I, I think I always stood very, very tight on, hey, these are the rules and these are fair rules and this is the way we're going to play the game and the same rules for everybody. Everybody gets the same fair treatment, especially when you, I mean, we had at our height, over 280 franchises that were opened across three countries. And you will have people that try and break the rules and try and do all kinds of um, uh, scandalous getting around what the system should be. And I joined YPO, Young Presidents Organisation, sort of halfway uh, would have been in my early 30s. And YPO is a, is a you know, they, they say it's an elite group of people that run big companies. I don't think that's true. I think it's an association of people that are out there to help each other. But one of the things about YPO was they said, guys, here's the rules. And they're there for a reason and don't break them. And for example, one of the rules was when you sat down to your tight meetings of your YPO um, um, peers, you were not to ever talk outside that meeting about what went on to anybody uh, at all, ever. That were the rules. So that's sort of the fight club thing, right? Exactly. What in fight club stays in fight club. Exactly. And, you know, those rules were there for a reason um, and we stuck to them. And I saw on multiple occasions, not not a, cut, not a lot, maybe 20 years in YPO, I'm still in YPO, but on the odd occasion, these people would come in and they would say, oh, we're going to do this. And we'd say, look, guys, that's, uh, that's against the rules. <laughs> you know, and they'd go, oh, but, and I'd go, well, no, fuck you. That's the rules. And, you know, one of the guys was head of one of the big accounting firms. Like right. we're talking one of the big fours and walks in and says, oh, you know, we're going to this. And I said, like, not, fuck you are. That's- not, hang on, not the, not the accounting firm that's in a fair bit of strife at the moment. Well, this was a long time ago, so I'm not <laughs> going to say which one it was, but it was one of the big fours. Yeah. But I specifically remember saying, no. And I was the, you know, the other guys, are, they're sort of capitulating because this guy's a big swinging dick, you know. And I'm thinking to myself, this is the problem a lot of times in society. The bigger the 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 the, the shit heap they're sitting on, the the more terrified people are of pushing back. Mm. And I actually think that very much applies to any sport. That's the rule, you know. And same as when you're playing golf, 
Um, there was an eruption recently at the club because of that whole, oh, yeah, that's a gimme, you know, and someone said, oh, we're playing comp. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, you know what? It's you either tap the fucking ball in or you don't. But, you know, I can sort of understand rules are rules. Yeah. So if you don't want to stick with them, don't hang out at that club. So, so yeah. were you were you the one going? Oh, come on! Surely that's a gimme, or were yeah, you? Yeah, of course I was. Oh, so you, all right. So this yeah. is, this is interesting. So just in, so this works. In, <laughs> We're talking like, strangers here. Yeah, okay, so that's that's really interesting because I actually know someone who's just left a golf club because he, they don't and and joined a lesser club because they play the rules. They play. They, there's no gimmies. Whereas I agree to the rules. So the whole thing, but but it's interesting that, that you were the one going. Come on, three inches, Jesus, like. So what no, 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 there wasn't there wasn't any argument. There was a couple of the guys in our group that go, Oh yeah, that's a gimme, that's good, because you yeah, want to keep, yeah. you want to keep moving. Yeah, yeah. You want to keep the speed up. And then someone piped up and said, Oh, there's a couple of guys that got the shits about it, and we went, All right, well fuck it. We'll just we'll do it every time. We'll yeah, just stick with it every time. Yeah, but so as long as you're not doing the aim point uh Adam Scott thing on a three inch part, you know, you should be <laughs> You're a baker turned pizza maker turned donut maker. Are you surprised at the the way that your business sort of went from, you know? And and you, I should point out that um, Tom was the speaker at this Clubs New South Wales conference and told a terrific story about his first loan. You know that <laughs> your first loan for the car and and I suppose that's part of that thing of you know finding a way through. You might as well tell the story because it's a great story. Oh, uh, it's. It... The 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 subject they asked me to talk about was change and evolution, and you know Eagle Boys went through three major changes when I had the business, and and we went from a you know a hole in the wall pizza shop that used to do deliveries to a business that had to expand and evolve, and eventually became um, full fully blown drive through operations offering offering pizza in two minutes, and to tell your story to. A room full of people, irrespective of the industry they're in, is a is an example of hey guys, things are going to change. Do you want to be the one that's driving it, or do you want to be the one that's waiting there to get your ass kicked, like say Kodak did, you know, or Blockbuster yeah. Video, or whoever it might be? Um, and that story was just a typical example of when we got started and going and borrowing money for cars and buying the cars and then selling the cars literally the week later and then getting the cash and then buying the business. We never saw that as as anything other than a way or an end to, uh, means to an end to get the job done. The loans always got paid, um, and the job got done. But it was just you know navigating your way around, um, getting the, the the good the right end result. Yeah, it was clever. I mean, and it was a it was a very good telling of the a very good telling of the of the story. So, what about your golf? You've had success. Obviously, because you sent me the um, the beautiful picture of the Capital Championship Series winner, so that's Capital Golf Club, which that's the one attached to the crown, isn't it? Yeah. So, so, what's, so what's that tournament? So I won that tournament twice, and it's a complete scam. It's hilarious. So what they do is they invite um, their Crown Casino members in from all around Australia, and I think there was eighty of us, and they do it three times a year and the prize money is uh 10,000 bucks first prize. What? That would make you a golfing professional. Yeah, I believe it would if they gave it to you in cash, but they give it to you in gambling chips and they find some dodgy wow. way around doing it, but then again yeah. that was long before the royal commission and everything okay. else. Yeah. Um and we come in from all around the country and they 
put you up at Crown and then you get these beautiful big white leather golf bags with your name embossed on the bags, you know, like, like you're a real professional. And um, the only thing you are is a professional gambler, really. Yeah. Um, but the way that um, they, they, I think they designed the clubhouse the same as the Masters, sorry, as the as um, the one in Atlanta, is that the Masters? Augusta. Augusta. They designed it. And the golf course is the most incredible golf course I've ever seen in my life. Um, nothing has ever come close to it, and I've played all over the world. Um, and what they do is they handicap you according to your game after the way you played. Okay. So I go down the first time and we get on the piss the night before and I literally crawl into the bus the next morning at 9 o'clock after being out till 3 and we get on the course and you've got a caddy who diligently scores you and once you get to a 10, they just strike you off. And then after the round, they put in all the cards and then they get 18 golf balls with numbers 1 to 18 on them and they draw out six. And of those six holes, you get handicapped. You get handicapped. So I reckon I had about six washes that day and I had about six pars and the six that they pulled out were my six pars and that's how I won it. See. Wow. So you win on a random allocation of the holes that you've played. Yeah. So they take all of your holes and they handicap you, but then they take out the six holes or the six balls that come out one to 18 and the other ones that if you scored really well on those, then you've got a chance of winning. Right. Because I was going to say that it, like in a, in a, with a hundred crown gamblers, not just any cramp, not just. Ah, it's right. It's right to be. It's people to be bloody slipping hundred bucks to somebody and change well, no, my car and all that shit. Oh, it's no, wife. No, no, I wasn't even going to say that. I was just going to say that I, I reckon there'd be some fairly, a fairly good chance of handicap manipulation moving ah. in, coming into the competition. So it'd be quite probably quite hard to win. So you don't actually know what's going to happen until after the game, right? And which is, is that, brilliant. Is, is that better? So you just play for playing sake. You're just out there trying to do as best you can. One poor bastard. I think I played three times and one and, and first year I won one and then the second year I won one and then they go on to the final, which you, you can win 50 grand, but I never made to the final because I was traveling overseas or something. Oh, okay. So there's three a year. And there's three a year at 10,000 bucks every game. Wow. And then there's a $50,000 and a Rolex and all the other shit that goes with it. Wow. The guy that, the guy. How much have you got to punt to get onto this one? Is it still on? I don't know. I haven't been invited for years. Right. Since they've changed everything, so I don't know. But um, I, I was a bit of a regular. I used to go down to Melbourne quite often and spend weekends at the Crown, but I haven't been there for years. But um, there was one poor bastard. They actually got up and gave him a like a encouragement surprise because for the last six rounds at Capital, he'd shot between sixty nine and seventy two every round. Wow. So a brilliant golfer, but yeah. could not win because of the system. Right. He needed to have shitty holes and good holes and then get lucky. He had no chance of that. Okay. So it's hilarious. Yeah. yeah that's well, that's actually that sounds like a really good way to do a like a boys trip somewhere, doesn't it? Yeah, it takes it takes out any scamming or anything out of it. It's just pure pot luck. Just pot, which the game of golf is most definitely not. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Now you said that you've played around the world. What um what really lit you up? China. Um Shenzhen and oh, yeah. uh, Mission Hills. Uh, yeah. we, we went over there probably four years in a row before COVID. We'd go over and spend four days playing four courses. They'll pick you up at Hong Kong Airport, drive you across, um, stay there at Mission Hills. Driver will pick you up every day and take you to the course and drop you off. I think the driver costs $100 US for the whole week. He'll pick wow. you up and drop you off every day. Yeah. And then after four days, we jump on the boat and go across to Macau and spend two or three days there and play. Also there, a couple of times we played Royal Hong Kong, which is well great. I got a mate who lives there or was a member there, but I think that that I call that the Disneyland of golf, is okay. uh, is Shenzhen Mission Hills. And have you been there after COVID? Because no. I remember there was lots and lots of talk about it, and then it just seems to have. Or maybe I'm not reading golf magazines as much, but it just seems to have died off a bit. Haven't been back to China. In fact, Charlotte and I are heading overseas, hopefully in September, and it's the first time. Traveling since COVID overseas. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's how long it's been. And do you always travel with your golf clubs? Not always, but if possible. Um, geez, and look, some great places that um, if you if you're looking for a great golf trip, I think um, Phuket is a yep. great place. There's four or five courses that um, Billy Proud and I went over and played on over there on a couple of trips. Um, South Africa. Um, Sun City was good, and um, Vegas. Um, yeah, what's Vegas the, must be. Yeah, the personally owned golf course by MGM is something else. You drive about 20 k's out, the big gates open up, they've got your locker all set up for you with your name on it. They bring you out pancakes and coffee at the ninth hole. You don't see anybody on the course. There's not a soul out there. It's all it's all been built up in the side of a mountain. It is incredible. Um and in fact, I was over there with uh, Dipper, Robert Dipper Domenico, uh, yeah. on an AFL trip one time. And um, I had to hit the ball out of the rocks because it says everywhere, don't come out looking for your ball if you're off the fairway because there's rattlesnakes everywhere, you know? Yeah. And I said, no, fuck that. And I went over and I hit the ball and it went off sideways. It hit a rock. Then it went another right angle and hit the golf cart. And then it flew up in the air and shot about 40 metres and went straight in the hole. You're kidding. And all I could hear Dipper was yelling on the other side because I couldn't see the hole because he was standing on the other side of the hill. And I could hear him yelling out, it's in the fucking hole, Potts. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but I, I reckon Las Vegas because of – and Phoenix as well, but Las Vegas because they have these courses that are built on desert, you know, and they go out there and they just 
build them in these beautiful spots, waterfalls and jackrabbits everywhere and the occasional rattlesnake. It's good. So it sounds like in a golfing and therefore possibly in a business sense that you would have picked up good lessons. I mean, you said, you know, you that you get a pancake and you get a drink and you get a so you remember like you but in that you could you could talk about the golf course and it was this and that. But the, I think the first thing you said then then was at the ninth hole you get a pancake and it so you remember the small things. Is that a lot sort of a life lesson as well as a you know the way to treat people and customers and I think um over the years um people remember the experience they had whether they were in your company or whether they were in your business. Yeah. I've got a 60th birthday party coming up in a couple of months' time and I've got friends coming in from all over Australia and interestingly, quite a lot of those are ex-Eagle Boys franchisees who are still friends with 25 years later because we never had a slave-master relationship. Yep. We always had a mutually respectful relationship. Before I forget to, one of the great experiences of golf in my life was Kapalua in Maui where... I was flown over there to do a speech for an Australian company. And interestingly, the two other speakers were Mick Fleetwood, who lives in Maui, and I spent some time with him and Peter Hang Cosgrove. On, Mick, Mick Fleetwood, this musician? Yeah, Fleetwood. Golfer. Yeah. Okay, no worries. Yeah, Mick Fleetwood, he, he lives in Maui. He's got a bar there and he does a bit of public speaking. So the three keynote speakers were myself, Peter Cosgrove and Mick Fleetwood. But... I only had to do a one-hour speech, right? So, and I think it was, I don't know, shit, it was on the third day of this conference. So they said, oh, do you want to bring your partner? And I didn't have one at the time. So I rang my cousin, a guy called Lee Aiken, who's a golf tragic, lives in Melbourne. And I said, do you want to go to Maui and play golf for four days? So uh, we went over there and got up and played a course every day at Kapalua because there's four courses there. Oh, okay. Um, looking out over the ocean and all the wind blowing and, oh, my God. It was incredible. So I've still got photos of that to this day, that whole area. But, yeah, got over there, got to meet uh, meet Mick, Mick Fleetwood and um, play some golf. Did you see Mick Fleetwood speak? Did you listen yeah, to him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. so what was he like? I mean, what's like amazing stories, I'll guess. Yeah, you know what? I was a bit – I was more excited than I probably should have been because um, the start of his speech is he's – They've got this footage of him sitting at Wembley with 250,000 people jumping up and down going nuts and him going all crazy on the drums. And then what happens is he walks in from the back of the room playing the bongo drums and then gets up on stage, right? Yeah. And then he's a very gentle kind of character. He's a sort of a very laid-back, gentle character. So you're sort of like, oh, fucking Mick Fleetwood, drums, a whole lot. And then it's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> he's like he's like a poet, you know. He stands up there and talks yeah. about poetry and everything. But you know, he's he was a real gentleman. He's a lovely guy, but he was he was quite quiet. You know, he wasn't a he wasn't a a loud kind of character at all. Okay, it's interesting though. So you've had a like a, been a really good mix of being able to use your business to play golf and and see different things. Is is golf your game now? Yeah. So you're not bowling. You're not bowling what? Bowls. Ten pin bowling. Oh, fuck. No, bowls, bowls. Jesus Christ, I'm not 85 yet. I do like the look of bowls. I think bowl, and it's a young person sport now. Yeah, not yet. Not for There's me. There's something in it. Not the way they dress. I won't be uh, joining that tribe for another 10 years. Okay. Yeah, look, it is. Um, my partner, Charlotte, she's a golfer. She got a hole in one before I did. 
Yeah. Um, she's she's going to pick it up again soon. Uh, she hasn't been playing a lot lately, but we play every Friday, never miss. And okay. um, if we're travelling somewhere, um, and I think we're going to go to Queenstown uh, in August, uh, yeah, we'll probably be taking the clubs and having a hit at Jack's Point and a few other courses there. So, yeah, yeah. it's my game. I love it. I mean, I think when you meet someone on the golf course and after you spend four hours with them, you find out what kind of person they really are and what kind of person that they probably are to deal with professionally as well. Yeah, okay. So do you try and you t- take pro- potential business colleagues? Go- no. No way. Yeah. You know what it's like. Just you, enjoy end up, you end up with a fucking... With you, with the, with the wolf pack, right? You got four guys. You play together all the time, and if one of them one of them doesn't play, and you bring someone else in, they feel like you played up on them. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got a we've got a very tight wolf pack here. Okay, Dave Pradella and Mil Saganto and Bill Proud, and uh, it's uh, very hard to break into that crowd. I can tell you. Right, what's your relationship with your golf clubs? Have you got one set that you you you're keen on and you stick with, or do you who are yourself around to different highlight the look of that driver or do that and have a bunch of things that you look i'm a strong believer in um in if your clubs if you're playing if you're not playing well it's got nothing to do with your clubs and people that keep changing out their clubs are you know uh, probably looking in looking for love in all the wrong places yeah careful, so I, think, careful. I think i've <laughs> i think i've had the same set of clubs for over 10 years okay um, and i don't think i've changed anything maybe the putter Surely you've upgraded your driver in 10 years. Well, I actually smashed the driver. Unfortunately, it flew out of my hands deliberately. It broke, and I yeah. left it sitting in the garage for about three years, and then I thought, I should go and get that fixed. So I did. got a new shaft on it, and I'm back playing with it, so I reckon that's, that's getting up there, that driver. It's probably 10 years old now. Okay, and what sort of driver is that? Um, I'd have to go and get it. Surely there's like – surely – so as much as you say people are looking for love in all the wrong places – swapping clubs in and out, that you must see the new stuff and go, wow, there must be something in that. You know, some guys get out of the golf shop every week and it's like, you know, being at Bunnings, like it's a toy store. I don't. Hmm. I actually don't. And it's probably because in the last few years I've got busy again in my business life. Okay. You know, and um, if um, we want to travel, Charlotte and I want to travel and – um, we want to play golf and we want to run our businesses and we're pretty busy. So, yeah, yeah I've got to say, I, I haven't walked into a golf shop for some time and gone, oh, what's the latest thing out there? I probably should. You probably yeah. invited me to think about that now. Well, it's just one of those things, isn't it? Just something else. It's, you know, the worst thing you can do is I, I tried someone else's Titleist T100 8 iron, one shot down the middle perfect and went now all i do is think about buying t100s i know well, it's not a good idea my clubs are fine <laughs> i'll tell you what um i'll tell you a secret i haven't picked up a driver in six months i haven't used the driver in six months at all oh so now we're getting to the nub of it you can't hit a driver and so- I've had, I, had, I had some trouble with it and i started pulling out the the rescue yeah and i can i can put the rescue 200 to 220 up the middle and i haven't I haven't used the driver in twelve in six months, probably. Right. So that's enough. Hey, listen, you spent a bit of time, which people may or may not know, with the AFL Commission. Mm-hmm. So, just with the changing of the the game, and it's certainly with the uh, the head knocks now, a bit really an important 
changer, I suppose. We can we're seeing things that you know will change quite quickly. Um, where do you sit on all of on, on the way the game has evolved over say the last fifteen years? Oh, I think they've been asleep at the wheel for some time. Um, I think that there's been a lot of information that has been overlooked. I think the way that they handled the drug fiasco was everybody knows how that went. Yeah. Um, they should have been following the international rules. And I, I think that there was a movie made called Concussion. Oh, shit, it must have been 10 years ago. Okay. And it was about the guys that discovered the massive amount of damage that was being done by the NFL footballers. And, of course, they got shut down and um, ignored and belittled by everybody. Um, and a lot of the information has been out there for a long time. So uh, I think that um, it is a minimum that uh, the process that both the Rugby League and the AFL are doing in regards to um, head injuries is critical. And um, it's uh, I congratulate them, but it's, it's probably too little too late. Okay. I mean, I, I was playing with a playing golf the other day with a guy and we were talking about it and he said that, that these games, their future is like they, they have to literally stop playing the games because it's like he was saying it's gladiatorial gladiatorial in the um, in the process. You can't have these young men go and knock themselves out and, and about just for everyone else's enjoyment, which is I, – I didn't – I definitely don't agree with that in any way. But if that thought is coming – I wonder how that's going to, how well that will continue. What? Because the whole world's turning into these bloody um, powder puffs wrapped in uh, cotton wool and, and, and sitting back um, protecting people against themselves. I think, I think um, stupidity won't prevail in that area. Um, some people will say, oh, because it's professional sport and people can gamble on it and there's money involved. But no, you and I know when we were kids, there was nothing better going out and playing footy on the street block with your mates and cricket and everything else. Yeah. And that will continue. Um, and, yeah, you can do what you can to try and protect them, but I don't think that um, you can't you can't stop contact sport. It's 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 part of – I mean, Jesus, have you been and actually watched the women play the AFL? Yeah, they're hard. They're fucking tough. Yeah. I saw this chick Polax, another girl at the Morningside Footy Club the other day, and I thought, Christ, they've got some real mongrel in them. And, you know, the girls are just, they're having a crack and they're loving it. And they mm. say now, oh, watch them in 10 years because those girls didn't start footy till they were teenagers. But yeah. the ones that are starting now at the age of five and six, watch what they're like. Yeah. You just gave me a great memory of kick to kick on the oval at lunchtime. Yeah. When, you know, and like you'd never want to be the bloke at the front to have someone take hangers on you. Exactly. So everyone just pushes back and back and back. Yeah to be the ones taking the hangers. And that was like the best fun of the yeah. whole winter. Yeah, just playing sport on the block with all your mates and, uh, you know, a bit like golf. I mean, people say, what's the big deal with golf? And you go, it's one of the last sports where you can drink, you can smoke, you can fart, you can joke, you can eat, you can do whatever you like, and it's still not illegal. Yeah, I, I was going to say, what is it about golf you love? But I think you've answered it, Tom. Mate, I, the, the, I love Dave. He just pulls out his cigar, and he only has a cigar once a week. Yeah. You know? and, but he pulls out his cigar on a Friday, and he and he lights it up, and he has his coffee, and he, he couldn't be happier. You know, and this is one of uh, one of Queensland's most successful business people. But you know, Dave's he's he's just a grounded bloke who loves his game of golf every Friday. All right. And so, what about for you? What's your 
so if you play on every Friday, are you and are you playing on Saturdays? So do you, are you looking at the B grade championship and going? All right, I've got myself in the Hall of Fame for the Franchise Council of Australia. I, I've sold my franchise and done well. I've got new business starting. The one thing I haven't got is a B grade or an A reserve. Couldn't give a shit. Come on. Could not give a shit. Come I'll on. Never you sent me a photo of yourself with the with the crown thing. Yeah, that's from gamblers. That's from gamblers anonymous. Let's be let's be realistic. People say to me, "Oh, yeah, we all competitive." You go, "Fuck! You don't think we've had enough of that in our lives?" Right? No, I've got absolutely no interest. If the club said to me, "Oh, you should play in the in the competitions, pennants, or whatever," I'd go, "No, nah, I'd rather eat bark." And I'll never play on a Saturday because people who play on Saturday are all employed accountants, and that's not for me. Right. Well, okay. Listen, they're not all employed accountants. Some of them, <laughs> some of them are unemployed. Uh... Well, see, so I'm lucky that I don't have to play Saturday. First of all, because I work for myself, and second of all, if you've got Saturday to spend with your family, it's I'm I'm happier doing that. Okay. All right, Tom. Look, we'll leave it there. I really want to say thanks for your time. Uh, you've got a great story to tell, and your corporate history is terrific, and you've got a pretty good golf history there as well. Thanks very much, Tom. Thanks, Andrew. Pleasure. So that's Tom Potter, who left school at 15, as I said, broke by 22 started Eagle Boys Pizza and is literally one of the most successful franchise business owners in Australian history and a good golfer uh, and a lover of the game. So I hope you enjoyed that. Don't know what's coming next week, but it'll be something. If you've got someone with a story to tell, please get in touch. You'll find me on Instagram or Facebook at Andrew Datto. All right, good on you. Thanks for listening and thanks again to Tom. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 